Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Today we're continuing in our series called Unstuck. Say Unstuck. And last week we started this and we've been talking about the areas of our life where we feel like we're maybe doing the same thing over and over and over again. How many have been there? Uh, Maybe we've been stuck in a rut. Maybe we need change. Maybe we need some wisdom in an area of our lives. Maybe we just need Father's intervention. And like we said this morning, he's always there. He's not gone anywhere. So it's a matter of us just participating. That's a great word, right? Participating in this relationship that we have with him. And so we're really expounding on that. And the word unstuck, by definition, means this. It means to become separated or unfastened. How many would say that maybe in their own life there's areas that you could become separated from something? Like it's, it's necessary. Maybe there's something you need to be unfastened from because you're stuck in that area and it's become a rut in your life. That's what we're talking about. Now last week, the title was Unstuck in My Faith. And we could even say unstuck in my trust. And we really explored this idea of what faith and trust mean. And I I really enjoyed speaking that with you. And I had some great feedback on that. If you didn't get a chance to hear that last week, just go to the website. It's faithcity.tv. Not right now, but later. Faithcity.tv. If you click under Michigan and you click messages, it's right there. It's on the site. We usually have it up within a couple days. So I encourage you to do that. You can also subscribe to Apple Podcasts, and those are also updated at the same time. So I encourage you to check that out if you get a chance. But we talked about this idea of being unstuck in my faith. Now this morning, say this morning, I want to talk about your favorite subject ever, unstuck in my finances. Didn't get any feedback on that. Unstuck in my finances. I'd like to say this, unstuck in my generosity. Now I get it, okay? Whenever you hear a preacher bring up money, people start to freak. I, I, I could already hear, like I heard this sound of purses and wallets being clenched a little tighter, okay? And with good reason, because unfortunately religion has done a pretty good job, or we could say pretty bad job, of manipulating people into giving. You know, God's cursing if you don't do this, and we get into percentages and all these different things. I want to simply talk today about this idea of generosity, We have a very generous father, and we are made in his image and likeness, which means we're generous. Because what? Some of us just haven't awoken to that yet. And so I want to talk about that today. I don't talk about finances a lot, but I definitely want to talk about this idea this morning. So just stick with me, okay? Just hang with me this morning. I promise I'm not going to manipulate or compel anybody. We don't do that here at Faith City. We, We don't tell you, you must give this amount or God can't bless you. We say, are you blessed? Then be a blessing. How many agree on that? We don't force people to give money. I love this quote is, what you don't give to goes away. So it's important that we do give. But I am in no way going to manipulate or force people to give. You can't anyway, because you're just forcing to do something their heart's not into, and we're going to see that. But I do believe that every single one of us, especially those of us who say we're believers in Christ, we have a spirit of generosity, but some of us need to awaken to that. But in Luke chapter 16, Jesus just finishes this parable here of the crooked manager. Now, we just a few weeks ago, if you go on the site, I, I did a whole um, kind of breakdown of this parable of the crooked manager, so check that out as well. He talks about being faithful or being dishonest with money. 
Now, it's funny, as he's telling this story, there's this group of people there, including the Pharisees. How many are familiar with the Pharisees? Those are the religious leaders of the day. And it's funny because it says that, and the Pharisees were there, and they were lovers of money. It's just funny that Luke decided to put that in there. See, Jesus was saying this for a reason. There were people there who struggled with this love for money. But he wraps it up here in Luke 16, verse 13. He says this, No servant can be the slave of two masters. Such a servant will hate one and love the other or will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Look at this. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, we've heard this scripture before, right? Okay, now I promise I'm not going to beat you over the head with this. I want us to see something here. Because I'm not going to use this to manipulate, like, if you're not giving all your money, then you're not serving God. Nope, that's not true. But Jesus says this for a reason, because there's people present who I think are locked in to money. Money is their God. Money is their savior. Money is their sole purpose. Now, some of us here today, we may not see this, but I think some of us, even myself, I would gravitate toward money in such a way that if I had a certain amount, I would feel secure and okay. And I believe that the Father wants us to get to the point that even if we don't have a lot of money, we can be secure and okay. Even if we don't have a lot, we can still be generous. You know, I've said this often, is that we all have three main things in life. We have time, talent, and treasure and all three of those things are meant to be sown and given away. So have you noticed this? At different seasons in your life, you'll have different amounts of time or talent or treasure. So in each phase of life, it may vary in that season, but it's an attitude of generosity that's always looking outward. What can I do to help others? What can I do to help expand the kingdom of God? But here's the deal. It's through love, not compulsion. It's not your arm being twisted. So again, today is not about how you can give more to the church. Okay, and we're not going to take you know take you through five steps to better finances. We're not even going to do a Dave Ramsey budget. Although I'll say this: budgets are important. Can I get an amen? Uh, have you ever operated according to a budget? Have you ever operated not according to a budget? Doesn't it seem like there's always a little more when you operate according to a budget? See, budgets are essential for generosity because sometimes you're in those moments where you want to give and you want to bless, but you can't because it's not there. Now, again, I know you go through seasons where you're like, we're strict and budget. I'm cutting everything out because we just have to, because I buried myself in debt or something like that. But here's the deal. As we continue to go through this and we use the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in this, we start to tell our money what to do. Guess what? Now we have money because our heart is generous and in those opportunities we can give. Does that make sense? I want you to stick with me this morning. So I simply want to talk about this idea of generosity, especially when it comes to finances. Now in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says this, a feast is made for laughter and wine makes merry. Can I get an amen? How many had some wine that makes you a little merry? How many go to a feast and you laugh? I don't know, I'm too busy eating. But look what it says here. But money answers everything. Interesting scripture, right? I remember when I was a little kid, I, I would read, you know, the, the Bible and I would read scriptures like this. And I'd be like, yeah, money does answer everything. And I didn't grow up in a household that had a ton of money. But I remember I would just lay there sometimes in bed and I would dream about what I could do with one million dollars. <laughs> you ever done that? 
Some of you, like a few weeks ago, when it was like, like hundreds of millions, you played that lottery. Come on. I know you did. And I know your intent was, Lord, if I win this, I will give a lot to the church. I get that. But see, I think all of us have this propensity to dream about what would it look like if I had a million dollars, if I had more money than I would need. And I would say that, you know, we're probably at a point in our life where if I came into a windfall like that, I think I'd make a lot better decisions than I did years ago. I really think that my heart has, you know, God's slowly working on it. It's been brought back to a kingdom idea, kingdom mentality. And there's not a lot that I need. I see a lot of need out there and it'd be beautiful, right? When I was little, I used to just lay there and dream about what could I do with a million dollars? It would answer a lot of questions, right? It would answer a lot of wants. It would answer a lot of needs. But let me say this. Money isn't bad. Money's neutral. How many know that? Money isn't bad. It's, it's completely neutral. But Jesus says here, he says, you cannot serve God and you cannot serve money at the same time. It doesn't happen. It can't be God and money, money and God. It's got to be one or the other. And I think that this verse really boils down to this. Serving God equals love. Serving money equals self. Pretty simple, right? When, when we're serving God, and, and here's the thing about that. I do believe that I'm a servant of God, but I'm also a son. Now, Jesus did say that you are no longer servants, you are now sons. So we have, to, we have to understand sometimes when Jesus is speaking, he's speaking to a particular group at a particular time. Do you know that he was a Jew? If you didn't know that, Jesus was a Jew and he was born under the law. And what's interesting is when you read the teachings of Jesus, many times you'll see him proclaim law to the law livers, but then you'll see him start to prophesy about this future new way of the new covenant, which is grace. Okay, there, there's, there's two different avenues. But Jesus knew exactly who he was speaking to. And for some people, I mean, think about this, even Peter, for years, I mean, for like a generation after Jesus ascended into heaven, he still struggled with law and grace and back and forth and who's in and who's out. I mean, just look at their life. And I think it's beautiful that Nobody tried to paint a pretty picture of everybody. I mean, they showed Saul, who later became Paul, as a murderer. But then he changes his ways and becomes completely different and goes from the Pharisee of Pharisees to a man who says, I have to completely surrender to the grace of God because I can't measure up. But yet I do because Christ in me. See, he got this. And so there's this struggle in this poll. But see, when Jesus would speak to certain crowds, he would put law on them. But sometimes he would say this. He says, you've heard it said, which many rabbis would do. You have heard it said, and he would quote something from the Old Testament or the Torah, the book of the law. But then he'd say, but I say to you. And of course, we go, he was changing stuff. Rabbis did it all the time. But see, Jesus brought everything full circle back to, I believe, the beginning of creation. A place, almost a utopia, if you will, but a place of peace and grace and love. A place of unity, a place of care. This is what Jesus was trying to bring about. And I believe he did, and it resides in you and I, but we have to awaken to that in order to walk in that. Does that make sense? That's where belief comes in. That's why faith and trust is so important. But again, I believe that this verse that Jesus quotes, he's not really quoting a verse, they're just quoting what he said, but in this verse... Serving God equals love. It's living a life of love. Or we can choose to serve money, which is really serving 
yourself. Again, I believe that we're called and we're created to love others just like our Father. We are created in his image and his likeness, which means we're generous. I love John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he so loved that he what? Gave. What did he give? His son. We could even say he gave himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, soul of the world that he gave. Why? Because Father is generous. No other God was generous. If you study history, every God had a huge ego. You didn't know if you measured up. They wanted sacrifices, including your children, and you never knew if you were good enough. And this God says, listen, I want you to know so much. I want you to get my love for you that I will die for you to prove it. No God ever died for its creation. That's why the gospel is so different than any other religion before or after, because it's all about this love, self-sacrificing love. But James describes God as a liberal giver in James 1.5. He says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, because at this time, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of turmoil. He's saying, listen, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. In other words, if you got an issue in life, ask God. Why? Who gives to all, say all. That's everyone who asks. How? Liberally and without reproach. Look at this. And it will be given to him. Now, this word liberally means bountifully. He gives to all liberally or bountifully. And the word reproach could be defined as shame. So he gives to you without shame. Now think about this. As humans, sometimes we have this tendency, I've done this, where someone needs help and you may have even told them, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you should go this route and they didn't, then they needed help. And as you're giving them the help that they asked for, you're like, I told you. Yeah, let me help you out, but, you know, if you would have listened to me. See, we mix a little shame in there sometimes. Have you ever been there? I mean, don't show your hands, but I've done that, even with our kids. I told you not to do that. You wouldn't have scraped your knee if you had listened to me. Well, mommy or daddy, why don't you just tend to them and nurse them and show them grace? See, it's so easy to wrap that in. But look what he says about God. He will give to you liberally. He will give to you bountifully, but with no shame. And no reproach. You never have to worry about shame with your father. In fact, father's always looking for ways to take the shame away. Right? Just like in the garden. He covered their shame, provided the first sacrifice so they could be okay with him. Not so he could be okay with them. Because our father loves us. We're his children. And when we mess up, does he want us to get back in the right path? Of course. What good parent doesn't? But the thing is, he will never bring shame to you. He will show you truth to bring restoration and healing to your life. So many times I believe that we can get stuck when our love is facing the wrong direction. When instead of God, instead of love, we refocus another way. And for many of us, it could be money. It could be finances. It could be wealth. It could be the things that we have. Listen, I've been caught up in this. I mean, there's times where, you know, I was embarrassed because I drove a car that wasn't as nice as the other people that I'm, you know, go to work with. Or, I mean, there's so many different scenarios and you could go, well, that's just petty. Well, that was my issue though. I felt like in order to be okay and prove myself, I had to have a certain amount of stuff. And so now my pursuit was stuff or money 
or material things. And I've learned how to let that go for the most part, but I still have my days. How about you? But I think what happens here is when we focus on serving God, on that relationship, on that fellowship we have with our Heavenly Father, it's easier to kind of shut down those ideas and realize that those are just lies anyway. Because my worth, my value is not based on what I have. It's based on who I am. And we say this, whose I am. Big difference, right? Now, the Apostle Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, really famous scripture. In verse 10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Have you heard this scripture before? Now, I've heard people misquote that, and they say, Money is the root of all evil. No, it says the love of money. Remember, money's not bad, money's neutral, right? He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. In other words, trying to find fulfillment in something other than relationship with God. And look at this, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Now, I like this word evil, not because I like evil, but I like this word evil because sometimes if you ever, you know, when you hear the word evil, what comes to mind? Usually you think, evil. You know, like you, you, you picture some sinister guy in a dark corner with, with, you know, this furrowed brow and he's got plans and he's devious and he's ready to get you. Come on, evil, right? That's what we think of evil. But, but was that good enough explanation for you? It's so cool. My, my son and my daughter are back. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yay. Back from Louisiana. That's why I'm preaching so good this morning. So anyway. So this idea of the root of all kinds of evil, the word evil literally in the Greek means this, labors, annoyances, and hardships. Now this changes kind of the idea, right? It actually is the mode of thinking, feeling, and acting. In other words, loving something other than God. And this word love means to be extremely fond of, to have intimate relationship with. So they're not saying that we can't like having money. How many like having How many like being able to pay their bills? Anyone here? Anyone don't like paying their bills? We're going to have a prayer session at the end for you because that's just weird. But I mean, so there's nothing wrong with having the money. But it's this idea of this relationship that's intimate, extremely fond of. Sometimes we can make other things more fond than our relationship with God, which I think is where we get our identity. But think about this. It says the love of money is the root of all kinds of labor, annoyances, and hardships. Doesn't that change? Because you're thinking, oh man, those rich people are evil. Just look at them. Well, I have, and some of them give a lot of money away. So I don't think having money makes you evil, but think about that. The love of money brings about annoyances in life. It brings hardships. Why? Because you put your trust in the wrong thing. And some people will, not on purpose, listen, if this is you this morning, this is maybe just a, a shout out, a call out for us to rethink, to have a paradigm shift, okay? But for some of us, we've literally sacrificed family and time for money. Now, I know we have seasons. There are seasons in my life where I've had to sacrifice, but I still do my best to make sure that my first love, of course, is God. But how do we show that? By loving others, by loving our family, by being a good father, by being a good mother, by being there for our friends. Sometimes we've allowed money to dictate our relationships. 
And so we've sacrificed at the expense of relationship and friendships. See, the love of money, and sometimes it's so subtle we don't see it. I mean, I've been in those places. My wife, I mean, she's literally had to say, babe, you've been gone too much. And my response is, we got bills to pay. We got stuff to do. I'm just trying to, she goes, I know, but your kids need to see you. I need to see you, okay? This was a couple weeks ago, so I've changed. But, <laughs> but what I'm saying is she's, she's helped call it out, and I trust her. Listen, I don't always like when she corrects me, but it's out of love, and I understand that she loves and she cares for me. So when she says those things, I have to reassess things. Like even last week, I decided, you know what? I'm not going into the job site today. I'm spending time with you. You need me right now with you. Now, I was able to do that. Not all of us can. But it's making those decisions in life, saying, you know what, I will not lose my family. You know, some people, some ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ have lost their children because ministry took priority over family. I refuse to do that. But it's not going to happen because we're together. And as you saw, my wife has no issue telling me what's up. But see, that's good. We have to have honesty in our relationships. But I think it's important that we see this process here. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of annoyances, labors, and hardships. Do you see the difference? It's not necessarily that you're going to go into evil things and you know, you're going to start you know, doing some crazy, wacky things in the black market or something. It's you toil. You, you do what, what mankind has done for years. You fall into self-effort so you can obtain and attain things. And God's saying, listen, I'll bring about what you need. I've got your needs covered. Have relationship with me and you'll be fulfilled. Does that make sense? So for some of us, maybe this morning we need to reassess where we are. Maybe we're stuck in this area of finances. And maybe for some of us, it is taking a Dave Ramsey course. We got a couple couples here who could do it. Maybe we need to start something up like that so people can go, you know, there's some things that, that I need to do in my life to budget and be smarter with money. Because here's what I found is that a lot of times we have more money than we think. I know some of you are like, yeah, really? No, seriously. Now, it might take a season to get to that point, but we usually have more. Do you know that most people in one lifetime will, will have at least a million dollars come through their hands? And you're like, how's that even possible? You just do the math. People work 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years. Most people have that amount of money. What if we were to budget? I'm speaking to myself. What if we were to budget well in our younger years? What could we do later? What, what decisions, I'm just getting this, what decision could you make, especially you young people, what decisions could you make right now to not just go into a job that you hate and loathe and can't stand? What if you actually could do something that you have a passion for? Whatever that is, what does God put in your heart? And listen, listen, most of us, we're not too old here. What is it you have a passion for? What could you do if you begin to tell your money what to do to start enjoying those passions? Because I'm telling you, if you go into work or a job, it's not very satisfying. But if you go into a passion, but it's your job and you get paid for it, what a difference. Now, it doesn't mean that Things are perfect. You don't have bad days. We all have bad days. We all have off days, especially if your job has anything to do with even just one other person. Can I get an amen? But what can we do to maybe see those passions come true? And even with our kids, say, what is it you want to do? 
Because at X amount of dollars a year, if you invest from 18 to 26, you could have your retirement and Roth IRA finished and done, and then you budget and you enjoy your life because it's not about all the stuff you can get. Does that make sense? That wasn't even my notes. That's free this morning. Not even charging for it. See, if we think that money will fix all our problems, then I think what we do sometimes is we trade our freedom for a chance to get more of it. And I don't think that's the right decision. Now, again, is it wrong to make money? Of course not. And I'm not saying, listen, guys, don't go home and say, babe, I'm quitting my job because I hate it, so let's just have faith and hopefully the bills get paid. No, not saying that, okay? Use some wisdom, If you need wisdom, ask of the Lord and he will supply it bountifully, right? So don't just go quit your jobs and blame Pastor Andy for it. What I'm saying is think this stuff through. And for some of us, maybe we feel kind of locked in and we got to find new ways to budget and restructure. But let's pass this on to our children and our grandchildren, this idea that money isn't everything. What do you have a passion for? See, the love of money brings labors, annoyances, and hardships. See, I believe that Jesus and the apostles weren't saying that you can't have money. They were simply saying, don't let money have you. Big difference. Have the money. Don't let the money have you. Enjoy life. There was a story I heard of Alexander the Great, and I don't know what you think of Alexander either way, but he was going through this town in a procession, and there was a beggar who had asked him for some some copper coins. And basically, the story goes that he was asking for some copper coins because he was starving. He was hungry and he wanted food. Well, when Alexander the Great saw him, he actually reached into a bag and he pulled out a bunch of gold coins and just threw them to him. Gave him a bunch of gold coins, more than just the copper. Well, one of his advisors asked him, he says, Your Majesty, he says, a handful of small copper coins would have surely been more than enough for this beggar's humble need. You know what Alexander's response was? He says, yes. A few copper coins would have suited this sad beggar's needs, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Gold coins suit Alexander's generosity. Isn't that cool? You ever been in one of those situations where you would love to give, but you couldn't? Wouldn't it be great to be in a situation like Alexander the Great where someone is in need and they're like, I really need $150 this week so I can buy groceries. And you're like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Here's a thousand. Go get some groceries and take your kids and family out on top of that and go ahead and take care of your car payment and your rent if you can, whatever it is. Wouldn't it be awesome to have that capacity to do something like that? See, that's an attitude of generosity. It's, and that's where it comes in when it, when it comes to giving at church. I think a lot of times, you know, maybe you've gone to a church where they say percentages. You must give 10% because they say the tithe is 10 Well, technically, the tithe is somewhere between 22 and like 30%. So you want to get really Old Testament biblical, you better be given 20 to 30. But listen, it's not about percentages. It's about generosity. Because there's people who they give their 10% and they could give 30 and never feel it. They don't have a spirit of generosity. Do you see that? So it's not about percentages, folks. First of all, it's about hearing the Holy Spirit. We're going to read this in Corinthians. It's about what you purpose in your heart. It's about seeing a need. It's about wanting to fill that need. Why? Because we're built to be generous. So whenever someone comes up and says, hey, we're going to receive offering now, don't get a frown in your face because you don't have to give. That's the beauty of it. But you can. 
So what do you do? You say, Holy Spirit, what is it I can do in this time in my life? And for those of you who decide or have decided to put yourself on a budget, guess what? You always have a little extra to give when someone asks or is in need. That's the beauty of it. And because we're generous, we're always looking for ways to go above and beyond. I mean, if you're locked into percentages, I love what Bishop Jamie Englehart said. He goes, listen, if under law you gave 10%, I think under grace it should be at least 11 I thought that was funny. It's like, why would I limit that? But again, this isn't about what you have to give. You don't have to give anything in the offering. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is always asking of us. We're blessed to be a blessing. So what is it that we can do? Not just here to this church, this ministry, but outside those walls. Be honest. Has there ever been times where you heard a need and you just didn't have it, but you wanted to do something, but you couldn't? All of us. So I think it's time for some of us to become unstuck in our finances, unstuck in our generosity. There's such a freedom in being generous. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul's writing here, and if you, this was a letter, these were letters that the Apostles had written, and so there weren't chapters and verses, but for us it's a good frame of reference. But in chapter 8, it leads up into this chapter 9 here, and something really fascinating was happening the Macedonian churches that he had established, uh, they were going through some really tough times. I'm talking about, I mean, Paul references in, if you read chapter 8, severe trials, extreme poverty. Say extreme. Extreme poverty. They had almost nothing to spare, and yet in chapter 8, he says they gave generously. He even says this, this quote, he says, even beyond their ability. This is amazing when you, when you look at the history of what's going on. So what were they given to and why? Well, church historians tell us that in this part of the first century, it was around, I think it was like 45 AD, there was a severe famine in the area around Jerusalem and Judea, which had inflicted severe poverty and need on the Jewish believers. So Paul, who had established all these churches, was going around and he was saying to these Gentiles, to these Greeks, he's like, the Jews are going through severe famine and poverty and they need help. Now think about this. In this time, it was unheard of for Jews to associate with Gentiles. But yet Paul is saying that all of us together, this church of Jesus Christ, no longer Jew, Gentile, no longer male, female, no longer slave or free. This is the kingdom. He says we work together. So he literally was getting these churches. And this church in Macedonia, they were hurting bad. And he said they dug deep and they gave beyond their ability to Jews in Jerusalem. This blows my mind, just the history of this thing. So the Macedonians, they, they saw their brothers and sisters in Christ were being faced with even a greater affliction than they were faced with. Their hearts were moved with compassion. Let's say this, they were moved with generosity and they gave everything they could. Why? Because love motivated them to help those in need even when they were in need themselves. I think this is a good lesson for us because, you know, there's times where you might say, you know, and, you know, I've talked to missionaries and different people come through and, and you're like, you know, I'd love to give, but I mean, what's 50 bucks going to do? They're like, what's 50 bucks going to do if everybody did 50 bucks? You think, what, what would $5 do to help this person? Maybe the person has like none. So never think that anything is too little. I'm not just talking about church. I want us to get outside the four walls. 
Okay? I want us to think about people on the job and people we come in contact with at school and people we come in contact with at the supermarket. What are opportunities the Holy Spirit's opening and speaking to you saying, this person needs help. What can you do? And you think, what's 20 bucks going to do? A buddy of mine, he owns a company that I work with and there's this, this one gentleman that's in a local store here and I won't say his name, but he's a, he's a vet and he doesn't have a lot of money and he struggles. And he gave him this promise. He says, every time I see you in town, he says, I'm going to get you a meal. Now, this buddy of mine is extremely generous. He's, he's a good man. There's times he's done things for me that I didn't even expect. He's a good man. But you know what? He'll come in and go, hey, guess who I saw today? I'm like, by now I know him. Like, was it? And he goes, yep, yep. He goes, man, he was so happy just to get that Coke and that chicken dinner. Wow. See, we think big deal, one dinner. It's one dinner he may have not had. Generosity. What is our heart geared toward? What is it, what is it tuned for? Generosity. But for some of us, we have to get unstuck in our finances. We have to get unstuck in that spirit of generosity. And it's not because the pastor's saying you need to give. It's because we were blessed to be a blessing. Does that make sense? So I'm going to wrap up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is such a beautiful display of what it means to give. The Apostle Paul lays out here. And I love this in the mirror translation. And I actually would love to read like, 10 verses, but I'm not. I'm going to skip through a little bit, but I want to start with verse six. Now, again, remember, he's, he's talking about this offering that they're receiving through the Macedonians, and he's actually asked the Corinthians to do the same thing to help the Jews. So this is what he's talking about. He says, we are all familiar with the natural law that says stingy sowing will always reflect in the harvest. So does liberal sowing. In other words, sowing and reaping. I believe in that principle, right? I mean, just try one time. When you go through a store, most of the time, if you look at someone and you smile, what do you get back? A smile. It's a universal law, sowing and reaping. Verse 7, every individual must thoroughly think this through in their own heart. Say own heart. Not someone else's heart compelling you. In their own heart. Look at this. Not with thoughts of possible regret or out of a legalistic sense of duty. See, I'm probably messing with some of you because... You give in the offering because you feel like I got to or else. No, there's no you got to or else. But there's something about being blessed to be a blessing. There's some fulfillment that is contained within the spirit of generosity. He says this, the agape love of God inspires extravagance of hilarious proportions. Now, one translation said God loves a cheerful giver. And, and that word actually, uh, I think in the Greek, it's something like, it's hilaros, which we get hilarious from, but it actually means cheerful. So literally he's saying, I, w- I want it to just be like, you're in this mode of cheerful, just hilarious giving. Like, this is so awesome. Like, like when you give something to your kid that you've really been wanting to give, you ever had that feeling? You're like, oh my gosh, like you're giddy. You're like hilarious. You look hilarious, but you're so giddy and you're excited about it. That's the kind of generosity. That's the kind of spirit of giving we should have. And that's how our father is with us. Verse 11, you are mutually enriched in every possible sense of the word and inseparably joined to one another in an undivided heart. Look at this, without any hidden agenda. I love that. 
no hidden agenda. You know, Jesus would talk about the Pharisees would pray in public or they would give or they would do things in public. There was a hidden agenda. Look what I'm doing. Remember when the widow came in and she gave out of all that she had, but the religious leaders who were very rich would come in as the people were starving and they would come in and they would look at all that I'm dropping. Let's make sure that the gold coins, you know, jingle really loud so people know what I'm doing. See, there's no hidden agenda in cheerful giving, in generous giving. Do you see this? And together we, the conduit of your gifts, will set the stage for a joyous grace celebration to God. Why? Because those Jews who are struggling to survive are going to receive this and they'll celebrate this unity they have, the grace of God reflected in your gift. Verse 13. And so the ripple effect continues. The gospel you communicate, look at this, has found a very articulate voice in your giving. Think about it. When you give, It's like you're articulating the gospel. Look at this. And produces a rich harvest of glory to God. Your union with them further communicates the all-inclusive nature of the, here's that word, koinonia. We learned that a couple weeks ago, right? Fellowship. We all participate in. See, it's participation. In verse 14 and 15, it's beautiful. Can you imagine how your abundant generosity to them has tied them to you with deep affection in their prayers for you? Gratitude is the language of grace. Come on. That quote right there, I need to hit up Francois Dutois, who wrote the mere translation and say, dude, you hit it on the head. Gratitude is the language of grace. Your giving has given a voice to his gift beyond words. Isn't that beautiful? See, I believe that every single one of us in here, we have a desire to be generous. Why? Because it's built in. It's who we are. So here's the question. Can we trust God with our finances? Can we be open to the Holy Spirit when it comes to giving? Fair question, right? And again, it's not just giving here at the church. Listen, we will utilize everything that comes in to continue maintaining and paying bills and outreach and do everything we do. But see, it has to go beyond the four walls. It has to be a daily thing, and we can't ever think that any amount is too small. For some of us, I don't have money. That's fine. But what about a smile, a hug, a handshake, a kind word? That's generosity. Because you know what? I'll tell myself, uh, Friday night, I just didn't have the best day. I just didn't have the best Friday. Anyone have a bad Friday? I know it's supposed to be TGIF, but it wasn't for me. And I just didn't have the best Friday. So, you know, I came home and my neighbor's like, hey man, how's it going? I'm like, it's going okay. I'm walking out to the mailbox because, you know, he knows I'm a pastor and I'm gracious. I'm going out to my mailbox and getting my stuff. And I'm just like, mm, I want, you know, and he's like, he's like, hey man, uh, I was checking out your YouTube channel. It was really cool. I want to sit and talk about some things. And I was like, yeah, yeah, not tonight, man. That's, yeah, I know. Your pastor messed up. I said, not tonight, man. I said, honestly, it's been, he goes, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the next couple of weeks. Well, I did end up texting him yesterday. I said, dude, if I was short and curt, I apologize. I just had a bad day. He goes, listen, man, no harm, no foul. You know me. Now, if you knew Randy, yeah. <laughs> Randy tell you like it is. He goes, if I had an issue with you, I'd let you know. He goes, listen, man, we all have bad days. And he says, this was cool. He didn't tell you this. He goes, one reason that we haven't moved from this place is because of you guys. Wow. I'm like, seriously? 
He says, you're great neighbors, you're good people, you're good to us. And I'm sure it has something to do with you too, Luis. <laughs> He's my neighbor too, man. We wave, we mow the lawn. What's up? It's awesome. He hears me go off with my kids and he still comes to church and receives. Praise the Lord. That's just beautiful. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? But I just think it's so important that we have that spirit of generosity. And even when we have bad days and, you know, we struggle with things, it's, it's okay. We just say, Lord, you know, forgive me for my attitude. It was wrong. But I want to have a spirit of generosity. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit of grace. It's in this place because we're here in this place. And you made a promise that you would never leave us. You would never forsake us. And so we just ask right now, if there's any area in our heart that maybe we've, we've missed something, maybe there's an area locked up on lockdown. It's, it's stuck in this area of finances, in this area of generosity. I just pray that you would reveal that to us. Just say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love your care and your grace toward me. And I want you to say this with meaning. Say, Father, I trust you with my heart. So if there's any area where I'm missing this when it comes to finances, when it comes to generosity, Holy Spirit, reveal that to me. And just be quiet for just a moment. Say, Heavenly Father, I give that to you. By act of my will, I choose to trust you. And I can be generous because you're generous. And that's who I am. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. How many generous people in this house this morning? Come on. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.